0: Good afternoon. Welcome to Gambling with an Edge. I'm Bob Dancer. And I'm Richard Munchkin. Today, Richard and I are going into our mailbox again, answering your questions. Most of these questions come from gamblingwithanedge at gmail.com. And so if you have a question that you would like to hear us address, um, by all means, send it in. We also get questions from other places. Uh, And occasionally we make them up. But... uh, The um, keep them coming, and we do these shows periodically. First question from a Brit. I live in the UK and enjoy the game of blackjack purely as a recreational player. Sometimes it's expensive, sometimes very cheap entertainment. We have no hand-dealt tables here, and I have to suffer the dreaded continuous shuffle machines. But during lockdown, I've been playing online with Bet365, and I appear to have greater longevity and showing small profit over several months now. Eventually, here's my question. Would there be an edge between six-deck continual Shuffle Machine and Random Number Generator? I know they're both dumb options to play blackjack, but I just have to scratch the itch. Um, Richard?
1: Well, um, your question, uh, I infer you believe that Bet365 is dealing from an infinite deck uh, when you say random number generator, and I don't think that's the case. Um, Even though it's an online casino, many of them are dealing from a virtual six-deck or eight-deck, and you may be playing against live dealers, in which case you can see, you know, how many decks they're using. But anyway, uh, you said you're a recreational player, so you're not counting cards, and I, I really don't think it would make any difference at all. Um, what you're experience I've, I, experiencing, I think, is just random fluctuation.
0: Yeah, the uh, I have no black tech knowledge, to add to what Richard said, but... Since um, it is a lockdown because of the pandemic, you're not supposed to be scratching your itches, so um, just keep that in mind. No,
1: that's the perfect thing to be doing, doing a lockdown. Are you kidding? (laughs) Um, That's that's what everybody's doing, don't – yeah. (laughs) Hey, uh, actually, before we go to another question, Bob, I mean uh, the lockdown is kind of ending. I've actually gone to a restaurant. Um, what about you? Are you getting out more again and doing things you weren't before?
0: Slightly. Although I, through the entire uh, pandemic, when casinos were open, graveyard, I would go play. So I've been playing, um, when I could. Uh, Bonnie and I have been going to restaurants inside casinos um, all throughout.
1: Uh, what about dancing? have you uh, gone that far yet?
0: We the square dancing has not come back. it sort of is and social dancing were're actually um, West Winters who's our one of our favorite options at South Point has started back on um, Friday and Saturday nights. You'll hear about that during the commercials. And so it's still coming up this coming Friday night. We haven't been there yet, but we will. Uh, If you want to see what Bonnie really looks like, that's the time to see. (laughs) Uh, And we're looking forward to that. Um, It bothers me that... um, some casinos are requiring no mask at all. You're on the honor system. If you've um, been vaccinated, you don't need the mask. If you haven't been vaccinated, you need to wear a mask. And the state is about at 30% vaccination rate or something like that, and there's no mask in there.
1: Yeah, yeah, same thing in you know Costco and places like that. And and the problem is, I think there's a high correlation between people who have not been vaccinated and people who don't want to wear masks so uh yeah that that's unfortunate but um but still i'm i'm happy that uh i'm getting out more and that i can see human beings again and
0: yes no and so uh A a friend of both, a non-gambling friend of both yours and mine, Richard, is coming to town in early September. And Bonnie and I would like to host a dinner for all six of us, including you and Nelia. So maybe that can happen. We'll see. Sounds good. Next question. I'm an amateur AP who ran across their first opportunity with an extremely talented dealer. My problem is the nature of the game makes it blatantly obvious in many situations that I have information I'm not supposed to. I wrote myself some software to estimate my edge slash risk if I were to introduce some common sense cover plays. This seems to result in a 30 to 40% reduction in the overall edge. My question is, is cover worth it for these type of plays? Even with most common-sense cover, there just seems to be no way to really hide what you're doing if you want to actually exploit your additional knowledge. I feel like crap if the game got burned, and I left a bunch of money on the table by not taking full advantage. Richard?
1: Absolutely, I would play cover. I mean, you know, um, if you have a game with a very high advantage, let's say if you played it perfectly, let's say your advantage would be 13%, uh, but you decide to do things like not hit hard 19 against a 20, uh, those kinds of things, then, uh, yeah, maybe your edge goes down to 7 or 8% or something. And uh, most people can live just fine with 7 or 8%. I mean, your edge is going to last a lot longer if you make some common sense cover. You have to make your play look like something a normal kind of bad civilian player would do. So I absolutely would try to prolong the game game by playing some cover, but realize the game is eventually going to get burned. You're not the only person who is going to discover this game. Eventually other people are going to discover it too. So you do want to, you know, you do want to, make hay while the sun is shining you might also want to consider bringing in a bp to bet the money so it's less obvious that what's going on because the bp can be in a in not in the lucky seat and um, you know be obviously not trying to see a whole card or something like that
0: but just to be clear we're not talking about just normal counting in blackjack this has to be something extra special that, uh, on top of that, to uh, to make the cover worthwhile.
1: Oh yeah, if you're talking about a dealer who, when you say she's really talented, it means she's only cutting off, you know, 40 cards on a six-deck shoe instead of two decks. Well, then no, I wouldn't lay a bunch of cover on that. But uh, it sounded to me like it was he was pretty clearly talking about playing a whole card of some sort.
0: Okay. In Ultimate X, is the strategy for vulturing games with multipliers any different than the strategy for the base game, i.e. jacks a better, deuces, wild, etc.? I've heard you all talk about playing a different strategy to increase the chances of getting a royal when chasing progressive. Is there a strategy for increasing your win frequency instead of EV to pick up leftover multipliers? Okay. Uh, Vulturing ultimate X means someone has ultimate X is you get multipliers on your next hand for winning combinations this hand. And some players leave, at the end of a hand without playing off their multipliers. So the vultures come along, play at five coins per line rather than ten coins per line, and they play one hand with a big advantage. So that's what vulturing is. Now, the the basic strategy for that is that I would use where to do that would be the basic game. Uh, there are actually way too many video poker variations, and bad pay schedules that you're not going to know all the strategies perfectly. But just kind of use common sense as to what the the normal strategy should be and use that.
1: Yeah, and it's the kind of thing where you're bending over to pick up a $10 bill and you're kind of worried about the two pennies that might be somewhere next to it under a leaf.
0: Something Like that. Yeah. And. Uh, good. Now, now, somebody said Richard mentioned how many more negative decks than positive one in one of the recent shows. Can he elaborate? If you're using a balanced count, you should have an equal number of positive and negative true counts. Right. Yeah, you'll have far more shoes with a disadvantage, but that's because the house edge and that's why you count cards. Maybe I just misunderstood.
1: Yeah, you're correct. You should have the same number of positive and negative. But remember, when the count goes to plus one, you still don't have an edge. You're not betting any money. So I guess what I should have said is you will have many more shoes where you never put out a big bet than you will shoes where you do get to put out a big bet.
0: Okay. Next subject. Today was my first day back to MGM National Harbor in about a year. While playing on a video poker machine, I had accumulated zero points. I thought it was a defective card. Not so. The MLive desk said that video poker no longer re- receives any points at all. Zero. Wow. Now, I find this interesting. While I don't play at MLive properties, I'm sure many of our listeners do. Were I to play at these properties, I would check to see if this is true for all video poker, for all video poker, for all players in all tiers. Or perhaps there's some caveat that are useful to know. Some requires, some casinos require that you earn, um, certain tier levels before they start awarding points. But once you do, achieve that tier level, then you earn points. Um, so I don't have any of the answers to this, but where I'd be playing at these casinos, I would definitely check it out because I'm guessing their video poker games would not be playable with no points at all.
1: And Next probably question. won't be even with points.
0: That might be true too. Um, so, um, but they're still going to have vulturing opportunities, and they will still have progressives. Sure. And so there will be some opportunity there for players. I don't know if there's enough opportunity to make it um, worth doing the loops and playing off these things. But um, some people will certainly be there trying to find out. Next question, my my question is concerning taking chips out of casinos. A guy I know takes a large quantity of chips out of casinos, mainly Vegas Strip casinos, and sells them for a small profit, mostly $1 chips, but they range from ones up to $25. Is this wrong? Is this punishable? What could happen? Should this guy stop? And it's not against the law to remove gaming tokens from a casino. Many players do this from one day to the next or one week to the next. In fact, casinos like to have you do it because you paid $25 for that $25 token. And if, it, if you retire it somehow, then the casino has uh, $25 of profit. Um There's an active market for coin and chip collectors, many of which are no longer cashable at the casinos. So um, if that's something you want to do, knock yourself out. um, There are chip collectors who do it for profit. There's many who do it for fun rather than like collecting stamps or something, just a hobby. So if that's what you want to do, knock yourself out.
1: I would say especially the $1 chips um I could see the casino getting annoyed uh it, it be, I, I don't know what it costs them to make a chip but uh you know it it's possible that specifically the $1 chips they might be really annoyed to to have all their $1 chips uh sort of uh, go out of circulation but um, but how would they know you're even doing it anyway and, and as Bob said there's nothing illegal about it but I wouldn't just go to the poker room uh, you know ask for three racks of one dollar chips and then you know dump them in a bag and walk out the door with them uh,
0: yeah most players who collect chips try to get the ones that are as close to being in mint condition as possible uh, collectors will pay more for those chips. Next question. How would you settle this gambler's dilemma? You're chopping results on a play. It's time to settle. And one party can't remember if they were in 5,000 or 6,000. Richard, I'm sure you had experience with this.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean it's happened to me. Uh, but uh you know, I learned a long time ago I you know go on a trip and I will take exactly whatever 20,000, 30,000 whatever it is. So um, at the end of the play I can go back and count all my money and then know what, exactly what I was in. Um, you know, so, I mean, yeah, I've certainly run into this, um, you know, you make your best guess, uh, if you trust the people that you're playing with, I certainly have played with some people who are not very responsible and would lose their feet if they weren't screwed on, um, you know, so, yeah, I mean. You just, I don't know what to say. There's no hard and fast rule. You make your best guess. But you try to institute practices that will prevent that from happening in the future.
0: And if one guy is always forgetting, then you don't do business with him anymore, sort of?
1: Well, no, I would try to convince him to, you know. How much money are you starting with? Before we leave the hotel room, count all your money. How much are you starting with? (laughs) You know what I mean? And just make that become a habit so that they know and then you can count it, you know, when you get back. I'm fortunate that I play with people that I really trust and, you know, as I say, some of them would lose their feet if they weren't screwed on. um, and And often, often, uh, we've had players come back a week later and say, "Hey, I found this $500 chip in my, you know, in a sock in my suitcase or something, you know, and um, and chop the money back up, you know." So, yeah. Anyway, that's that's how we handle it.
0: All right. Next question. If I were to keep a nominal a nominal inventory of chips from various casinos say $500 each. Do I face any kind of risk that they will no longer be accepted at the casino six to 12 months from now? That is, the casino changes the chips being used. The only risk I can think of is another pandemic where the casino shut down and I'm unable to convert the chips. But again, I'm able to hold on to them long term so I feel the risk is low and it's outweighed by the benefits. The chips become... Becoming worthless is my primary concern.
1: Well, th- I'm sorry, you want to go first?
0: I can. Um, chips do go obsolete periodically, but they usually give you at least six months' notice to cash them in before they expire. And $500 is not, each is not much of an inventory. It's too little to buy you anything. If you're going to have a chip inventory of you know, twenty or thirty thousand dollars in order that you can avoid CTRs and going to the cage and stuff like that—that that will buy you things. But five hundred dollars is too small.
1: Yeah, uh, uh, as Bob said, you usually get a warning um, that chips are going to change, and uh, and even after they change, usually you have a period of time where they'll still cash them. Um, and and in terms of the pandemic. Um, you know, I think most casinos were pretty good about honoring chips. Uh, you know what I mean? Because they understood that uh, everything was closed down and people weren't coming. So I, I would not worry about that. You know, if it's um, if it's far away from you, it's a place that you're not going to go very often. Then uh, I don't know that I would keep them just because, unless you have somebody locally that you talk to that can tell you, hey, this place is changing their chips. Um,
0: are there... Um, on the the websites, are there... Uh, are those kind of things commented on that, um, that yes. Circa, for example, yeah. is... Uh,
1: yeah, yeah. I, on, the, on the Blackjack websites, usually people will say, oh, they're going to change their chips at this place. You have until you know, September 1st or whatever.
0: Good. That would be useful to know. Next question. As a slot player with a huge edge, in general, is it wise for longevity to give up some edge and give back some money on ploppy games? Or do you think it won't matter eventually? And my thought is I don't know how big your your edge is. If it's if you really mean 5 to 10% or more, it's probably better not to use a player's card at all. And if you're not using a player's card, any additional play you have on bad games would be invisible to the casino.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's not going to matter uh ultimately. I think eventually they will if you win enough, eventually they're gonna decide they don't want you to play. Um so I, I don't think it'll help to go, you know, play craps or something as, as quote unquote cover. And, you know, you can uh you can manipulate somewhat the use of a player's card. You do not want to have a player's card that has a large lifetime win on it. So uh, you kind of have to use a player's card sometimes because you're going to hit W2Gs. So you might want to think about how you can make sure to have losses on that card so that you don't end up with a huge lifetime win.
0: Okay, next question. If I know of a 100.1 plus Percent video poker game that I could play perfectly, meaning less than one air per hundred thousand hands. Is it reasonable to intentionally make small, inexpensive airs to disguise the quality of the play? I've found a few spots where plus EV can be maintained. And my response to that is one hundred point. 1% is hardly enough to play profitably. If you're a fast dollar player playing a thousand hands an hour, you'll be ahead $5 an hour long term. If you play perfectly, which few people do, um, um, I'm curious how you think you can measure one air per 100,000 hands. Um, it's very possible to lose for years at a time playing that game without intentionally making any additional errors at all. And the casino will not recognize whether or not you're making errors anyway. So I would not make them. Can you please let us know what a profitable bet spread would be if a blackjack player decided to play more through all counts versus wonging in and out? Wonging seems to take a lot of time, and I assume draws more suspicion. If you have any advice on what a good bet spread would be for a play all count strategy and at what true count would you put out your max bets, this would help in figuring out how much to bet when playing and still be profitable.
1: So I would say if you're going to take counting cards seriously at all, you must invest in some software that will answer exactly that question for you. So that you can simulate what is this game going to be with a 1 to 8 spread? What's it going to be with a 1 to 12 spread? What's it going to be if I just wong in and out? Um, You know, so you can get the Casino Verite software from uh, Norm Wattenberger, or you can get the um, Colin Jones at Blackjack Apprenticeship has some software that will also do that. Um, So, yeah, and I believe. That Norm Wattenberger used to have some free software online. Basically, you you would go to the website, and I think this was at Blackjack the Forum, and um, uh, you could plug in you know spreads and uh, rules, and uh, and it would give you some win rates and things. <laughs> so. Yeah, uh, but if you're going to take it seriously, you you got to have some kind of software.
0: I was practicing NSU deuces on Video Poker for Winners software, and I ran into this hand. Deuce, deuce, four of hearts, six of hearts, king of clubs. I held the straight flush. Deuce, deuce, four, six. Video Poker for Winners said I made an error and should have only held the two deuces. However, your strategy card for NSU Deuces Wild says you hold a straight flush four with one one gap. And that's why I had chosen. Unless I'm misreading your strategy card, which is possible, which strategy should I follow? I'm trying to follow your level four advanced strategy only on this card. Okay, notation can be confusing sometimes. It turns out the deuce, deuce, four, six is a straight flush four minus two rather than a straight flush four minus one. The minus number includes the number of gaps, but being close to the deuce also counts as an additional inside. The card spells out that clearly on level three that in the, the SF4 minus ones include Deuce Deuce 45, Deuce Deuce 56, and and then Deuce Deuce 5.7 through Deuce Deuce 9 Jack. On the level 4 advanced, it just gives the notation assuming that the players already know what that means. Some players skip directly to the advanced strategy without going through the steps, and they make assumptions about what the notation means. It's not simple figuring out somebody else's notation, but there is a learning curve. But in general, should this happen again, uh, follow Video Poker for Winners. Now, I believe the strategy published is consistent with what Video Poker for Winners says, but if you think that there's a difference, uh, you're probably misreading my notation or not understanding one of the uh, penalty card situations, but the Video Poker for Winners is absolutely correct. The goal and the strategy was to produce a strategy that was 100% consistent with that. Next question. I found a video poker machine in my area that has a progressive on the Royal Flush. The best game on the machine is NSU Deuces. When the progressive finally hits the breaking point, is there a particular strategy strategy deviation chart I can use? In your book, you talk about different breaking point strategies. I'm wondering if these strategies are printed somewhere. Uh, we call it a break-even point rather than breaking point. Uh, and you're on your own to figure it out, if you're going to play progressives more than occasionally, uh, consider reading Frank Neeland's book, The Secret World of Video Poker Progressives. Also note that if they had NSU deuces, that's a, that's a, that's a pretty loose game. They probably also have nine six jacks or better, which is... 0.2 uh, percent tighter at the progressive gets high enough jacks are better becomes actually becomes a better game because the royal cycle is less on jacks are better than it is on NSU deuces so um but video poker for winners and other software will figure out an okay strategy for you um you can get one for free from the Wizard of Oz website that has a notation problem that I'm not crazy about, but it's hard to beat free and accurate. So uh, good luck to you. On if you Google Max Rubin, it says he's 105 years old. This can't be true. So do you know do you know how old he actually is? Well, Chronological. Chronologically, he's younger than I am, but he, and he has serious health issues. That should be sufficient information for you without um, invading his privacy too much. Do you have anything to add to that,
1: Richard? Yeah, I, I just want to say, you know, often websites ask for your date of birth, which I don't usually want to give up. And I used to, um, just so I would remember, uh, what date I had given sites, I would put like January 1st, 1901. um, And then some of them started saying, that can't be right. You can't be 120 years old. Um, So uh, yeah, so so it doesn't surprise me that it says he's 105 because maybe he had the same idea to just put in some date of birth because he didn't want (laughs) to give his real one.
0: Yeah, and if if he didn't want to give it to you, then we're not going to blow what for him. (laughs) Okay, another video poker question. What should what should my overall long-term bankroll be for playing at the dollar level, five dollars per hand? I've heard it should be four or five times the value of the royal, but do not know if this is accurate. Also, I'm having trouble understanding when it is proper to quit for the day. I read to stop should I lose 60% of my bankroll for that session. Can you let me know how to approach this? Okay. Early in my video poker career, I published you need three to five royals as a bankroll. I had no tools to figure these things out exactly. Now that I have those tools, I'm embarrassed that I ever wrote that. But I did, that might be where you heard five times. I'm assuming you're playing to win and not just as a recreational player. With that in mind, unless the return of the game, including cashback, free play, other promotions, exceeds 100%, the bankroll requirement is infinite. The actual bankroll you need depends on how much in excess of 100% the game is, and how big the variance is. There are two products that calculate bankroll for you. First is Video Poker for Winners, available at BobDancer.com or Las Vegas Advisor website. And the other is Dunbar's Video Poker Risk Analyzer. The products are very different and go about calculating bankroll differently. But they come up with very similar bankroll amounts for a given situation. Each one of those has some advantages over the other. You ask about stop limits. Basically stop limits and or win limits are for people playing games of less than 100%. They have nothing to do with the long term expected value of a game. Did you have anything to add to this, Richard?
1: Yeah, just that you should stop when you start to feel fatigued and that you're not playing perfectly. If you find yourself making mistakes, it's time to stop, regardless of whether you're up or down or whatever.
0: Exactly correct. Next one is my question is about ID. I'm lucky enough to to have just received dual citizenship, so I have a new, somewhat clean, and non-US passport. If I'm playing video poker without a player's card, and I win what would normally generate a W2G, what happens if I show my non-USA passport instead? If I'm playing in Nevada, will the entire jackpot be paid to me, or will some amount be withheld I understand that it's my obligation to pay taxes on money earned, including all casino winnings net of losses, but as you know already, that is not my question. All right. I suspect I'm going to have a snotty answer for you. Uh, Yes, I do understand what your question is. Your question is about asking our help in the crime of tax evasion, and that's not what our show is about. I can say that non-US passports are not all treated equally. The default is holding 30% of the, of the jackpot, but there, there's a lot of treaties between countries where that has changed. Whether or not that's true on your passport or not, I don't know, uh, primarily because, uh, you didn't say what country it was. Um, we have a tax expert, Russell Fox, on Periodically. He has a website called com, which may address the specific country you're talking about.
1: I don't think you can assume he's trying to avoid taxes. I mean, he could easily want to show the passport because, you know, it has a slightly different name and he doesn't want the casino to have his real name. Um yeah, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't assume at all that he's trying to avoid taxes. So, um, uh-huh. but but then what Bob said applies. Different countries have different rules, and it depends on what country you're coming from and uh, whether they withhold thirty percent or not.
0: Then I, uh, um, then possibly my answer was out of line, and I apologize if I made the wrong assumption. With the boom in sports betting all over, I had a question. Cambi, K-A-M-B-I, is the odds provider for a lot of these sports books. They're quick to limit you to basically nothing. This is probably a horrible idea, but have you heard of bettors betting into accounts in their wives or partners' names? I was wondering what type of action the sports book would take if they found out. This may be a better question for Bob Nersessian, but I wanted to at least ask you if you know anyone who has tried this and/or has it worked.
1: Of course, I mean, so there there are two parts to winning at gambling. One is figuring out how to get an edge, and then the second part is figuring out how to get the money. So of course, every winning sports bettor uses beards you know has multiple accounts in other people's names whether it's a wife a cousin a nephew or a or a friend um, so yeah now you you don't really talk about whether you're talking about legal casinos in places like uh, i mean legal sports book in, in places like nevada or new jersey or whether you're talking about offshore um, there's always danger offshore of them just stealing your money. Um, so you need to find out which books are reputable, uh, right? There are some books that would not do that to you, and, and those are the ones you would want to bet at. But, um, you know, so there's my answer.
0: <laughs> Very good. Uh, we're going to take a few commercials. And then we'll be back answering some more questions. The South Point has more than 10,000 gains, returning more than 99%. This is more than anyone else has. There are a few days left in the half-price gas and gift um, card promotion that we've discussed the previous four weeks. That promotion will go through May 31st. On May 31st, Memorial Day, there's a $32,000 hot seat giveaway where every three minutes between 8 a.m. and midnight, some players receive $100 in free play. If you have not finished your half-price gift cards and you plan to, that's a good time to double dip. Starting at 3 a.m. Tuesday, June 1st, Mondays through Thursday, 3 a.m. to 3 a.m., there's a $500,000 spin-to-win promotion. Each $2,000 coin-in, limit four per person per day, you receive a virtual spin right at your machine, earning free play or points. In the past years, the average spin was about $12, meaning you earn an extra $48 a day on average for $8,000 coin-in four days a week. There are now shows in the showroom starting May 27th through 30th with the Righteous Brothers. Blackjackapprenticeship.com is an excellent site for those of you who wish to be successful at counting cards. One of the advantages to the membership is a casino database for members only that lists for each casino, the number of games, the rules, the penetration, limits, and other information. It's regularly updated by active members. And if you're an active member out there, you're encouraged to update it yourself. So if you're playing not so close to home, you'll find good information about playing conditions before you ever set foot into the door. This this is a members-only advantage. So you need to become a member of blackjackapprenticeship.com if you want to use that. Videopoker.com is the best place to play lots of games. If you sign up for the gold membership, $8.95 a month or $79.95 a year, this allows you to get correction on most of the game. The game of the week is triple, triple bonus poker. This is an ultra-high variance game. It is similar to triple double bonus in that you get paid eight hundred for one for all aces with a two, three, or four kicker, but this time you also get an eight hundred for one payout for any two, threes, and fours with an ace kicker. This is an additional four hundred for one over triple double bonus and occurs approximately thirteen thousand hands. To pay for this, streets are reduced from paying four to one to 3-1, to which costs you a bit more than 1% because straights come about approximately 1 in 97 hands in this game, depending on the pay schedule. The variance is around 140. To put that in context, triple-double has a variance of 93. Double-double has a variance of 40. Jacks-or-better has a variance of 19. So this is a game that if you have haven't hit one of the top hands today, you will wish you had stayed home. We're back to our questions. I'm a long time listener to the show and really enjoy your insights, although I don't really take part much in gambling myself anymore. My question is, what is your favorite non-strategy gambling book? I've enjoyed bringing down the house to Professor Banker and Suicide King and the odds. I was looking for more books in that fashion, having anything to do with gambling, but also having a great story. So I suggest checking out anything by Walter Tevis, which would be The Hustler, Color of Money, uh, The Queen's Gambit, and some others, or Damon Runyon, who wrote uh, he started out about 100 years ago, wrote very colorful gambling situations. In poker, there's been Cincinnati Kid, Rounders, Molly's Games, among others. Michael Koenig wrote The Man with a $100,000 Breast" and has three books of gambling-related short stories available through the Las Vegas Advisor, plus a novel called Smart Money. Which appears to be a slightly fictionalized portrait of Billy Walters. Gambling Wizards by Richard Munchkin is a book what? of interviews <laughs> of, of Sorry, of no, I just just joked. It's there. a book of interviews of the world's greatest gamblers. Um, I also enjoyed Lay the Favorite by Beth Raymer, not only because she referred to that classic gambling book, Sex Lies and Video Poker. Michael C. Parker has a series of books about mysteries set in the horse racing world. Richard, what do you suggest? Uh,
1: one of my favorite books is called Fast Company, and it's um, it was part of the inspiration for Gambling Wizards. It's by John Bradshaw, and it's profiles of six professional gamblers, and it's just excellent Um and uh another i would mention is a book called the education of a poker player by herbert o yardley and um he was a spy during world war 2 and and a poker player and so there's some very rudimentary poker advice in there but the part that's great about the book is is the stories about um about him being a spy <laughs> so uh yeah, the the all of the ones Bob mentioned I agree. Um there's there's just lots of really really good gambling material out there.
0: Yeah, and the last week I had a recommended of a book of a collection of short stories and others on gambling. So you may um
1: That you know what that particular book you mentioned I think is out of print. Um so, because it, I went looking for it on Amazon and could not find it, so uh, I
0: got it from the public library. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, so I, I use that. Not everybody uses the library, but um, but I do. Next question. I'm a new AP who won my first few sessions but now is in a 60-hour losing streak. I believe I've practiced enough, and I'm now very worried, and I want a pep talk. So, Richard, coach?
1: Well, uh, I'm assuming that he means he's a card counter. Uh, If you're playing video poker and you lost for 60 hours, that's nothing. (laughs) Um, So, uh, But even as a card counter... That's nothing <laughs> um, you know one of the things we try to do often when we have card counters on here is talk about their losing streaks so people realize how long you can lose counting cards because your edge is so small. but if you're new and you think you're good, it might pay you to you know have somebody test you out and Usually, you know, there are people who, for a small amount of money, will, will come test you. Um, so uh, you can, you know, find them through Blackjack Apprenticeship or Blackjack the Discord, um, you know, and, and uh, because often people do not play as well as they think they play.
0: Very good. What position in a casino do you think would be the mo- most valuable for an AP to have as a background to help him gain an edge? Well, Richard was a dealer. That didn't seem to hurt him any. any and that actually. was
1: certainly valuable. First of all, I think we should say uh, jobs that you could get, right? Like you can't get the job of shift manager or table games manager unless you want to spend years Um, But I would suspect that the best job to uh, prepare you would be surveillance. So you know exactly what is going on up in those surveillance rooms.
0: And some of them will teach you. um, And you'll have access to some of the good books in the surveillance room library at, at some of the better ones.
1: Yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, most surveillance people I talk to say they're too too cheap to buy any, the the casino won't spend any money, and if you want books, you got to buy them yourself. So,
0: okay, next question. This is for you, Richard. What kind of blackjack games were you playing when you were on your initial 160 hour losing streak when you first started? Single deck, double deck eight deck what?
1: yeah so back then um Las Vegas still had single deck and and double deck of course but um we found that it was much better to be playing shoe games just because I literally had bosses say to me well nobody can count a shoe right they that's how bad how dumb they were back then so um I was playing four and six deck games the four deck games were as good as cutting twenty six cards. Sometimes they were cutting one deck, and on the six deck games, they were either a one deck cut or less. So, um, and these were all games that were stand on soft seventeen. Uh, surrender was not really a thing back then, except I think Caesar's Palace had surrender. But um, uh, so, yeah, I mean they were. Really, much, much better games than you could find today. Oh, I did play – well, I think that came later. Uh, that I, I did play a lot of single deck up in Reno and Lake Tahoe, but not during my losing streak. That came later.
0: Okay. Next question. Hey, guys, I'm a regular listener and often ask you questions. I have one for Bob.
1: Oh, wait. I'm I sorry. Che- I, I just want to note one other thing about that losing yes. streak. My bet spread was five dollars to two hands of two hundred, so an enormous bet spread, which you could get away with back then, um,
0: on the shoe games.
1: On the shoe games, yeah.
0: You couldn't get away with that on, on single deck.
1: No, and you couldn't get away with that on a shoe game today. If assuming you could find a five dollars minimum table.
0: Okay. The next question, he said he checked out the video poker at Lumiere Place in downtown St. Louis today. VP Free 2, which is a site that lists the best video poker in casinos across the country, lists two full pay jacks or better machines, but they were not there. The best pay schedules are 9-5 and 8-6 which both pay about 98.4%. At least one of them did offer a bonus for a dealt royal flush. If I recall correctly, a dealt royal pays five times a regular royal. My guess is that this bonus does not make up for the low overall return. After all, a dealt royal is extremely rare hand. Bob, what do you think of this bonus? Well, Adult Royal happens every 650,000 hands on those games. Each extra double adds about 0.12%. So a 5X is four extras, and that's 0.48% in the fairly long term. So this makes the game worth 98.9%, which may or may not be playable depending on the slot club promotions, mailers. Um, stuff like that.
1: And as far as VP Free, having two games listed that you couldn't find, you know, stuff changes all the time. And A, you may have just missed them, or B, they could have just taken them out. So, you know, you, you can never count entirely on what you find on VP Free.
0: Well, that's true. And it's also. Maintained by volunteers and different of the volunteers have their own agenda. Sometimes they will leave off the very best game because that's the game they like to play and they don't want to invite competition from other players. So um, it's far better than scouting every casino by yourself, but take the information there with a grain of salt. Is there any place I can consult to find the payback for different deal draw video poker games? I can easily find the payback on the draw hands, but I've never seen anything printed about the payback for the deal hands. And I don't know of a printed source on that. To get that information, I had to create my own Excel sheet where I broke down all 2,598,960 starting hands into their component parts, such as four royal flushes, 36 straight flushes, all the quads broken down by with and without kickers, uh, 3,744 flushes, etc. I've done this for both non-wildcard games and deuces games. I haven't done it for joker games. The information allows you to calculate how much any game pays on the deal. I don't give this Excel spreadsheet away for free, but for $2,000 I'll sell you a copy. I hope the price is more than it's worth to you because I didn't really create it for use for anybody else. As a slight hint on the, uh, on the games of IGT, uh, where you have half and half, half deal and half draw, the deal pay schedules are slightly looser than the regular game. So if you're playing a 99% game on the draw, the deal part of it is probably 99.1 or 99.2. So it's slightly better than playing the game itself. It also has the advantage that you cannot make a mistake on the deal part of it, Uh, whereas you can make mistakes playing the draw part of it. All right. Uh, we have uh, quite a few questions left and we've run out of time, uh, which means uh, we're going to have to do this again and keep sending your questions. And we'll put them on the list and deal deal with them as best as we can. So at the end of our show, we have a recommended section. Richard, do you have any recommendations today?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm just going to recommend that book that I mentioned, uh one of my favorite gambling books of all time is is again it's called Fast Company by John Bradshaw. And it it's uh profiles of six professional gamblers, but you know, this book was written back I think in the 70s, so it's Minnesota Fats, Bobby Riggs, Puggy Pearson, Johnny Moss, Titanic Thompson, um, and I forget who the sixth one is, but uh, yeah, really, really good.
0: Yes, I have read that book, and I enjoyed it. My recommendation today is Canopy.com. Canopy is spelled with a K. It's a free streaming advice for those who have a library card. And most public libraries across the United States support this. It specializes in classic movies, indie documentaries, and you're limited to 10 movies a month. So it's a different selection than you'll get from Netflix or Hulu. And it's hard to beat free. So thank you very much, Richard. And go out and hit lots of royal flushes, everybody. Good day.